Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. We've always thought that the most compelling story strikes the perfect balance between an honest look at the mess of life and the humor that can be found in the mess. To be perfectly honest, we don't really know how to live life without both the humor and the authenticity. Our podcast might be a little bit of whiplash at times. We can spin from hard and deep to humor and laughing on a dime. The hard will be really hard and the truths we share are the ugliest of humanity. We don't intend to make it seem like it's all fine or to pretty up the pain, but we also know that the joy we found is all the more profound because of the pain. So we hope you can stick with us through the ugly because there will also be joy and hope and humor. Welcome to the ugly truth about the girl next door. Hi, welcome back to our podcast, The Ugly Truth About the Girl Next Door. I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. So the episode that you are about to listen to, um, we actually recorded this episode way back in November, um, kind of on the, towards the end of a really long journey that started like mid last summer. So like almost Mm -hmm. a year ago now um, of tracking down and finding um, records and documentation of uh, police reports, old police reports, old medical re- records, um, things that, you know, basically do- the paper trail yeah. of your abuse experience. Exactly. Um, it was an absolutely insane process trying to gather all those things and what rights you have as a human being um, to have those things and and the different processes and all that. So listen to the episode. Um, and then at the end of the episode, we also have added a uh, an addendum as that as we are literally still on this journey of gathering things a year later. <laughs> um, so as promised, we are going to talk about um, gathering of the evidence, <laughs> right? Is that the right way to put it? Yeah, it's a gathering of all of the background information yeah. that provides context yeah. to your experiences. Um, as we said in our last episode, we spent several weeks leading up to um, the independent investigation that's going on, um, just gathering documents, pulling things together, um, trying to get, you know, obtain just medical records, police reports. I mean, there's so much out there. Um, and so we just want to kind of talk about that process because it was a process that we learned a lot from. Um, and also one of the most frustrating things I think I've ever done, to be honest with you, it was, that feeling of like, I'm slamming my head into a wall right now. Like, that's what it feels like. Um, so, okay, backing up, like we said, have said in a couple episodes, uh, there is an independent investigation going on, um, which so far has been positive. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of feelings going into it. I had a lot of feelings going into it. Um, but it, it was, so has so far been um, a positive experience. So stay tuned. For, I mean, we spent three weeks going into it, doing what we're going to talk about in this episode, um, but just with so much angst and rage and panic panic, and all the things. And then literally like went into this in fight mode, really, like I'm going to prove this. I'm going to, you know, be heard. And honestly, in the weeks leading up, I said last episode that I was trying to sort of be the balancing voice to say, okay, but there are indicators here that suggest that they are capable of doing it better than you were afraid they're going to do. Um, so let's just breathe here and see what happens. But I have said that to Kate too many times now. Mm-hmm. I've said that to Kate about the chapel. I've said it to Kate about going to her brother. I've said it to Kate too many times that, mm, my hopeful demeanor really doesn't hold a lot of water 
at this point. And so that just made it that much more difficult because again, the more people who fail, Kate, the harder it is to believe that it could possibly go right. Yeah. Each new time that there's a failure, I mean, it's really like reliving the whole thing again in that like with each escape attempt, it gets harder and harder to believe that it's going to be possible. Um, That's not different now. Like even though I'm an adult with resources and a podcast and an amazing support system, it's just each time that it doesn't, that it doesn't, that it fails or that people fail, it's just that much harder to get in the ring again, you know? And by the way, this was the time that you were like, I am doing it all the way. Like it's go big or go home. Yeah, it really was. It was like, we're going to, I mean, Christiana and I joked about, we need like a rolling, uh, like cork board with like all of the red yarn attaching all the different people and all the different ways and all the different paths. Um, and we're just going to like roll it in, you know, um, or hand them like a massive binder of information because, um, that's how it felt was a do or die kind of situation. That being said, leading up to, um, that initial interview with them, um, it was my... a frenetic bit of energy, especially for Kate and Christiana running yeah. all over and Lori just trying to keep us calm. <laughs> like, okay, it's okay. Breathe. Uh, no, it was, we were like running on adrenaline. Um, we were trying to get a hold of, like I said, all of the documents. I wanted medical records from all of the different hospitals that I've ever been to, which is a lot. I wanted records from when I lived in Virginia. I wanted police records. I wanted school records. We wanted everything. Um, And that is a ton of work, it turns out. Um, Even with literally all three of us doing this and making phone calls and Christian and I like running to different places, running to Lockport, running to Lewiston, running to all these different places. We still, I mean, it was hours and hours and hours of work of being on the phone, you know, all the things. Um, and frustrating. It's so not just frustrating. Like, it was like, oh, I oh have my 10 gosh. calls to make, but it's, I have to make 10 calls because I keep getting passed off. And each call is telling me I have to call three different places to get the different things. So, um, let's start with medical records. So getting medical records, you Even would think, own. yeah, so they're my own medical records. I'm signed, you know, I don't need to sign a release for myself. I am the patient. I am the person. Um, so you would think that it would be relatively easy. Um, it's not, uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I was born in the wrong decade and so nothing was digital back then. So, you know, they didn't, hospitals and doctor's offices didn't switch to electronic medical records till probably somewhere in like the mid, like, between 2007, 2010 timeframe. Um, so it was paper charting. So anybody who knows anything about, you know, medical offices, paper charting is, ugh, it's, you know, haphazard and bad handwriting and not entirely complete. And by the way, sitting in a file somewhere, not like, oh, I can like just type in the patient's name and it pops yes. up. Yes. Somebody has to go to a box. Exactly. So you know, a lot of times we would call the hospital, which again, there's multiple hospitals because if you are trafficking your child, you can't continuously take her to the same emergency room over and over and over again because somebody might notice that she's been here three months ago for this or she's had a broken, you know, like you can't. So every hospital in Western New York has records. Um, 
So each time we would call the hospital, there was multiple steps. It was, you know, sometimes you have to fax the release. Sometimes you have to like call and get the release and then you can email it to them. For some of them, we actually had to mail the release. Um, we had to give certain time frames. Like some places wouldn't just release the entire record. It was like, we'll give us a date. And I was like, I don't know. Like I, there's a time frame from 1989 probably all the way till now. So like, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. It was multiple steps. Um, the amount of places that wanted me to write a check for like $5 and mail it to them before they send anything was outrageous. So I mean, literally pay electronically. No. The mere fact that you have to pay. Okay. No, I wrote so many $5 checks. It was, it was literally ridiculous. Uh, a hospital in Virginia actually billed me. They like sent the records, but like didn't send them correctly. And then I thought they were like coming to my house and I saw like in my USPS informed delivery email, like, oh, something from this hospital. It was a bill for like $4 and 50 cents. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. And then it's still complicated to get the record. Right. And even then they were saying we can only send it to a hospital in Western New York. We can't send it directly to you. And so we, we picked a hospital that was near my house and that was a debacle because they were like, it, it was like addressed to me. So it went nowhere. Like, like <laughs> I still don't know where they are. They mailed them to the hospital and I still don't know. I did do a different release and I ended up getting them emailed to myself. But, um, but it, it took how, I mean, how much, how many oh my calls? gosh, how many oh my times? gosh. We must've talked to the hospital in Virginia and the hospital here that they were supposed to send it to you. If we talked to them once, we talked to them 10 times. I mean, it was just back and forth. I I swear to God, they stopped calling us back. Like we kept leaving messages and they just stopped calling us back because it was like, we're done dealing with these people. Um, and that was one That was record. one record. Yeah. We're still waiting on several local records. Um, but again, there's all these different things. So not only do you have to sign all these different releases and send them in a different way for each hospital, but each place also has these time frame limits. So for some places, um, New York State only requires that medical facilities keep their records for seven years. Um, but that changes depending on if you were a minor at the time, then it's seven years past the time you're 18. If there was suspected abuse, then it's 25 years past the time you're 18. If it was a certain thing, then it's a certain number. So there's all these different, like, and again, because it's not an easy put the name and it comes up in EMR, a lot of places were not willing to go looking because they were like, oh no, we tried things after seven years. Right. And it was like, okay, but it might still be in a box <laughs> right. somewhere. Like who, who do I find to look for these things? Um, so yeah, even, and can we talk about the emotional reality oh of gosh. what this is? Because this yeah. is not just a story on TV for no. you. No. Yeah. It literally was. I mean, every time we would get one, it was like, like the world stopped. Like it was like this feeling of like, of like hope, like, okay, good. We finally achieved what we've been working so hard to get, but also like here it is in black and white. So, and now the box is open. For yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, the police reports were the same way, you know, just there's, there's these, uh, there's just, it's so much, but, um, Okay, so I guess move, let's move on to police reports and then we'll talk about that. So getting police reports, there's apparently different pieces of these reports in different places. So one might think, 
easy enough to call, say, the Erie County Sheriff's Office, mail or fax or email, whichever method they prefer, um, a release and which, you know, year that you're requesting a police report from because you have to know the date. So <laughs> I was doing a lot of math, which we know I don't do. Um, and you would think that they would give you the whole police report, that it would include everything, right? It would include the report. It would include the notes. It would include the narrative. It would include anything that happened after that. You would think that it would have all those things, any medical evidence, any evidence at all. You would think that that would all be in the police report. You would. Wrong. It's not. (laughs) Um, So what we found out is that one place can give you the official report. Um, Another place, usually the the actual detective, um, can give you the narrative because it's basically their notes, which they have to authorize that you get. Um, another place holds the prosecutor's notes. So like if a prosecutor got involved at all, um, there's those, that's a whole separate thing. Um, another place holds any log of evidence. So like the actual police report doesn't log the evidence because that's in a different place. Um, and then if there's any kind of medical report that is solely with the hospital or whatever medical facility. So like in some cases it was like Kaleida has that or, you know, whatever. Um, another fun thing about police reports is that when you request them and you ask for the all of these different pieces, they tell you it could take 21 to 99 business days. <laughs> um, so we are still waiting on some because – it's not 99 business right. days. Like, what is 99 business days? I don't days? know. I don't do I, I, well, Christiana actually figured it out because she's amazing. And so she, I think it's like December 6th or something. So yeah, it's just like an insane process. And yes, going back to like it opening all the boxes, just that feeling of like, here it is in black and white. And also, oh my God, like if we didn't have like, I mean, if you were somebody who didn't have support, like if I didn't have a Lori and a Christiana to do this with me, like, would you even do it? Like, I I mean, we say that all the time, but like, if I'm not me, right, if I'm not a, a white middle-class suburban whatever with a support system, if I can't do it, how, like how on earth are, is half the population supposed to do it, right? Somebody who is more marginalized, who has a lot less resources, who, again, as much as I know um, the boxes have sometimes been a problem for you, they also allow you to function in the bright world in a way that lets you get stuff done. Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, so that, right, that is, I guess the, (laughs) there's like a, a, it's a catch 22, right? Because the boxes are, are not good, but also, yeah, like I, I can do all of these things because I can put them in the box. The problem came when we would get the reports and now the boxes are opening because it's all the things it's reading it in black and white. It's looking at the medical evidence. It's just being reminded of the experience. I mean, I'm even thinking like to make the list of the places that you were going to go to, to try to get Mm -hmm. reports required you to run through the experiences in your head. Yes. Yeah. Boxes open automatically boxes open. Yep. And honestly, it took time to even make that list because I couldn't do that all at once. It was this feeling of like, okay, well, I know for sure that there's this in Lynchburg. So let's start there, you know? Um, and I feel like we're still 
we're still kind of making progress on these things. Um, but it shouldn't be this hard, right? No. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to get people to do their job, right? Like that's how it feels to me is, I mean, I work in the medical field and I, it blows my mind that just the passiveness of like, okay, like we don't really care because I don't, I'm not that way. So I'm thinking about, you know, deciding that you're going to look for um, records from hospitals and the like, you know, in, again, in order to make the list of places you're going to go to requires opening some of those boxes. And one box, unfortunately, leads to another box that leads to another box that leads to another box. And eventually you're down this rabbit hole that is really, really hard to bob to the surface from. And I'm mixing my metaphors there. Rabbit (laughs) hole, you don't bob to the surface there. Yeah. Okay. Whoops. Um, But that's not the part that I was thinking we hadn't agreed to talk about talking about. It's I'm thinking about the report from Liberty. Um, Do you want to talk about sort of what was there that was like, a oh my gosh, there it is. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we can do that. So um, but I guess while you think about that, how to say that, let me just say, this is a perfect example of why getting the records is so important for Kate and also for being able to kind of help people understand really what was going on here. Yeah. Because it was right there in black and white. Yeah. I mean, so many of the records were like that, where it was like, it's literally written right here. And we said that in a previous episode of, you know, reading through an old police report where it says father states, father states. So he's the, he's the one making the report. He's the one telling the story. You know, they're not, they wouldn't even let them talk to me, you know, whatever. Um, reading that in black and white is this holy crap moment. And also this like, oh my God, like it's right there. It is like, and that's... it also said right on there that the guy who was the poli- the responding officer who was taking your statement was one of your father's friends. Yeah. Which you knew right along, but there I knew was. that, but there it is. Right. That's the name. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just this feeling of like, oh my God. Um, but with Liberty. Yeah. So I, you know, if you've listened to our college years episode, um, you kind of have a little bit of idea. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. Cause I'm not gonna like recap that. Um, but you know, things continued when I was living at Liberty and I basically like when I tried to tell someone at Liberty, someone noticed, um, I was told that I, wasn't believed and that fine if this really happened then it was sex outside of marriage and so therefore i was gonna get kicked out of liberty um the public the story that my parents cling to when they try to discredit me has always been well she lied at liberty well that you lied at liberty and oh by the way they allegedly didn't know that anything was a problem at liberty until they got a call that you were about to be kicked out right um so the story, the truth, the the reality is that, you know, I was about to get kicked out. Liberty was, I had 30 reps because of an incident because um, they were calling it sex outside of marriage. And then the dean said she was going to call my dad and suddenly I wasn't going to get kicked out. So getting these reports, we, one, got a medical report from uh, – from the hospital in Lynchburg. And it states right on there, you know, the police were called, patient left against medical advice, um, very upset, called parents by phone. Um, So right there, the whole statement of we didn't know anything was going on until she was about to get kicked out, garbage. What really happened is that I was supposed to get kicked out. And their, their public story is, well, she almost got kicked out of Liberty. She lied at Liberty. 
which is true until the dean called my parents and then suddenly it went away, which makes no sense. I mean, so that's not how liberty allegedly functions. It's like zero tolerance. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, but so that being said, you know, we have this medical record that states that I had called them, that I left against medical advice when the police were called again, listen to the college episodes. You'll understand why. Um, but so I reached out to Liberty because the other thing that we've heard is that, you know, well, so-and-so checked with Liberty and they said, you know, what actually happened? <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm going to check with Liberty and see what actually happened. I actually didn't call or do that as myself. I don't even know if I told you this. You did. <laughs> okay. <Yes. laughs> um, I called as if I was doing a background check on, on myself. <laughs> um, because I was afraid that they, if I called as myself, that they would just give me some kind of bullshit. And I was not looking for that. I was looking for like, okay, if somebody actually called and was trying to like get the scoop, like what is it that they would hear? What is it that they would get? Right. Um, Cause I want to see, like, I want to see how this gets written because yeah. the public story and the real story, they don't mesh. And also like reality isn't whatever. So I called and, um, they do not destroy records. I did check that. So it was like, okay, even though it's been, you know, 13 years, 15 years, they don't destroy records. So that wasn't an issue. And I got an email back basically saying that there is no disciplinary record at all, that I am in good standing with Liberty University, which was bizarre on so many levels because one, the whole public story of, well, she lied at Liberty. Like that's what they're clinging to as like, don't believe her. She lied at Liberty. Liberty's not even saying that. Right. Right. So anybody who's saying like, oh, well, I checked with Liberty. Like you didn't, you lied because I checked with Liberty and that's not even what they're saying. Two, it doesn't make any sense because I did almost get kicked out of Liberty because they were calling it sex before marriage. And that is an absolute no there. And yet there's no record of that. Which also makes me think, okay, so that phone call between my dad and the dean of women, well, what happened? Really <laughs> right? Like, did they pay it off? Did they donate large amounts of money to the school? Like, how does that work? Right? Where I literally am about to get kicked out of Liberty and there's no record of it? Like, that makes no logical sense. No. Oh, and by the way, something was left for you. Yeah. You Tied can finish that. <laughs> Um, well, what was left was a paper that, um, referenced Kate having to being referred for counseling. Yeah. Mandatory counseling at Liberty. Right. So clearly there was right. Clearly, like I said, go back, listen to the college years episode. Clearly there, what the truth is, is substantiated. You know, by I, them. Thank you very much for yeah. leaving that behind. <laughs> thank you. Right. And again, who else would have that except, you know them mm -hmm. um but yeah so it's just been this bizarre rabbit hole of that makes total sense and also discredits their public story and also is like holy crap there it is in black and white um right. so while this has been an unbelievably frustrating process because again it shouldn't be this hard um it also shouldn't be on you it should not be on the survivor to have to gather their own evidence yeah. Oh my God. Yet, yeah. Here we are. That's a whole other, that's another, <laughs> you want to talk about a rabbit hole. That's yeah, mm -hmm. it shouldn't be, but it is. Um, someone actually told us that sometimes you have to do all the legwork yourself, wrap it nicely in a bow and hand it to law enforcement. 
Um, so we're working on that. We're working on that. Yeah. And we're working together to gather all the information because in many ways it's easier for you. As hard as this is, it's easier for you than for law enforcement to have to gather it all. It actually is. Yeah. It, but it is frustrating, but it is, it has been easier. worth it because it is that feeling of like, it's right there in black and white. Yeah. It's been a long few weeks. <laughs> I just keep been, saying that. It's well, been a really long few weeks. It has been a really long few weeks. So I guess to sum this up, you know, and we said it in the last episode, like if you need help finding stuff like this, please let us know because <laughs> um, it is like unbelievably difficult, but we've learned a lot. So we might be able to help. We might. We might. Okay. Stay tuned. Stay cool, Buffalo. Is oh my God. Saying? Stay classy. So um, this is our like addendum to this episode. Um, as we said in the beginning, we recorded this episode back in November, but we never released the episode. Just things kept happening with um, the investigation that was going on that the church, the investigators of the church had hired um, and, you know, threats were still being left. There was stuff going on. Lots of stuff going on. Needless to say, anyone paying attention has walked with us from for the last eight months and knows there has been a dumpster fire of things that have happened in the intervening months. Yeah. And so we didn't end up releasing this episode because we um, there was all that happening. And so we were constantly making new episodes about current day, what was actually happening. And so we never ended up doing this. But um, we went back and re-listened to it because uh, recently we've been literally still eight months later dealing with some of that same garbage of trying to gather records so we wanted to add to this episode and just talk about um what's been happening recently as of like june 2023 um also i just want to note that in that episode in november we talked about how it's been a very long few weeks <laughs> and i gotta be honest with you i don't think there's been with the exception of us going to boston there has not been a week that hasn't felt like it's been a long few weeks. Absolutely. <laughs> and we literally just keep saying that phrase. Back in November, we were, you know, again, trying to, we were on the tails of trying to gather records. I was looking for police reports. I was looking for medical records. I was trying to gather all of the documentation of the abuse experiences that I had. There is a lot that was out there. In spite of the repeating comments from the naysayers that there's no corroboration, the truth of the matter is there's, there's a ton of corroboration. Tons of corroboration, right. They just weren't, aren't willing to see it. I'm done arguing with those people. Yes, so. That's true. Yes. There is a ton of it out there. We've gathered a ton of it. Um, but the two things that we had been trying to gather. So I had to go through this whole request to put in for records. Basically, at first, the FBI said there's 879 pages of records. Okay, hold on. 879 pages of corroboration. Right. Just saying. Right. For clarity. Anyone, but, listen, anyone listening. Right, 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 right. But Cornerstone says there's no corroboration. So, okay, cool. 879 rec pages of um, records of all the different things that they've done, the investigation, all the things. I just also have to comment for anyone out there who is going to be inclined to say, well, if there's so much investigation that has happened that there's 879 pages, <laughs> then why on earth is no one arrested? Because 25 out of every thousand sexual assaults results in incarceration yeah we're also go back and listen to our law enforcement episode and also um we are coming with an episode soon about the complexity of organized sexual abuse and holy crap so many things to to speak to that 
question, I guess. But yes, so 879 pages. So the FBI comes back from the FOIPA request. They say this is how many pages there are, and it's going to take 67 months for us to process that those pages and get it to you. Five um, years, folks. Yeah, five, five and a half plus years. years. Yes. Uh, but they said, but good news, if you would like it um, in a short, you could put it into a shorter track. Um, we could probably get you 50 of the 879 pages within three months. Um, that was in November. So it took them all the way until just a few weeks ago. So it wasn't three months. It was probably close to six. six. Um, and I got a, a literally a disc in the mail, mailed to me. Um, which, you know, the government spent $2 and something cents to mail me a physical disc, which truthfully, I didn't even have a computer that would read that because my computer like, cause it's such outdated technology. Yeah. Like, but okay. okay. Uh, but I found, you know, my husband had a computer, so I read the disc, opened the disc. Um, the, it contains the, um, <laughs> so one document is a list of reasons why things are redacted. So redacted means they have blotted out yeah. the information right. for anybody. Um, and the second document is 13 of the 50 pages because the rest of the 50 pages were just completely, they couldn't even release them because they were whatever. They were sensitive material. They were, they had this whole list of reasons why things couldn't be released. So let me just see if I can mental math this. So... 37 out of 50 pages were excluded for any number of reasons. Yeah, the reasoning is very, like, legalese, but the reasonings are basically because we said so. Um, it's also to protect our investigative strategies. Um, it is things like it to protect the privacy because there's medical and personal records but it's like it's my medical and personal records and I'm the one requesting so it's confusing why I can't have those but okay so the reasoning is the bottom line is all of their reasoning and with like a paragraph of reasoning and then because we said so <laughs> um which is fine so 13 pages that were released out of 50 and 50 out of 879 so cool and but of those 13 pages yes every single page said at the top, you know, victim, Caitlin Cook-Gannon, uh, the interviewing agents, the date. But the agent was blocked out. Yeah, the agent was blocked out. The date, I think, of the page, like, of the, whatever that page Meeting. was from. Mm -hmm. And then the whole page is blacked out. <laughs> whole page, redacted. Every single one of them, all 13 pages. So, again, our tax dollars paid for someone to go through eight, well, 50 of 879 pages and only release my name to me. <laughs> That's it. That's all yep. I was able to get. Oh, and by the way, one of the statements in terms of an explanation as to why there are only 13 pages is, well, we went to look for the records and they weren't where they were supposed to be. So we looked again and they still weren't where they were supposed to be. So we can't find them. Yeah. Yeah, so they're lost, I guess. But they, they don't just say we lost them. No, they have like use fifty words to say what could be said in ten. That's how the whole thing is. Yeah, it's <sighs> yeah. Again, it's the we lost them because we said so. It just it is what it is. And that's after six months of waiting. Six months of waiting, which was yeah. So, so federal government. That's the FBI. Yeah. So that's that's our tax dollars at work right there. Um, and then. 
we come to Erie County Sheriff's Office. Yeah. So the Erie County Sheriff's Office, again, back in probably October, I had filed a FOIL request, which is the state level Freedom of Information Act. Um, and I had received a police report back from early, you know, like 2004 timeframe um, from an incident that I had reported, an abuse experience. It's actually pretty not pretty it's very detailed it's um, the high school escape attempt. yeah high school escape attempt um and they had released to me the um the just the police report so just the incident report um at the time i was like in the middle of gathering information from all different places and so i didn't really press in for is there any more you know whatever um, I was told at one point that there was detective notes to go with that, but they weren't sure if they could release that. It was whatever. Um, so fast forward to uh, about a month ago, um, a person had a conversation with someone at the sheriff's office. And basically after um, her FOIL request had been denied completely, because that's the other thing about FOIL requests I want people to really hear, because a lot of people have actually put in submitted FOIL requests for my records since the podcast. Um, they can deny anybody. So even if you get a letter that says there isn't anything to release, it's because you can't have it. It's not because there isn't anything to release. It's because you can't have it. And I feel like that's important because, again, the naysayers and the Cornerstone members keep saying, well, we put in a FOIL request for the records and they said no. And that means there's nothing there. That's not what that means. It means you don't get to have it. Right. But me, I get to have it because I'm the victim. So I get to have my own records. So anyways, uh, so this person put in a FOIL request. They denied it, came back and said, nope, we're not releasing any of that information to you, you know, based on the nature of the crime, whatever. Um, she then, uh, appealed that decision. Um, is there any way that, I, that she can have the records? And they said, oh, absolutely. If, if Caitlin would like the records, she just needs to, you know, they're her records. She's more than entitled to have the file in its entirety is what was said. Um, which meaning more than just the police report she already was given in October, which they emailed, by the way. Right. They emailed the police report. That would be an October. important detail. For, yeah. So hold on to that, folks. Yeah. Um, so they said, OK, yeah, if Caitlin wants it, absolutely. There's more to the file. We can give her the entire file. We, you know, she just has the police report. Fine. We'll give her the entire file. Just has to schedule an appointment to come down. Yeah. So Fine. schedule an appointment. Call this office. Come downtown. Whole thing. So we arrived downtown. Um, this was a couple months ago. And the FOIL officer is, first of all, angry that I have people with me. Like, he's wondering mm -hmm. why Lori is there. So he says, only you can come with me. So I go into this little room with him. And he says, is it the 2004 incident, re incident report that you're after? And I say, well, it's the whole file. Like, I was told that I would be getting the file in its entirety. Um, he says, well, that's what I have. I said, okay, great. Then that's what I'll take. Um so he goes back and gives, you know, I sign the release, like all the things, whatever. So he gives me the record. I go outside and it is the same 2004 incident report that they had already emailed to me back in October. But this time they made us go downtown. Right. So they made us jump through all these hoops, make an appointment, drive downtown, come and meet with this guy who's yelling at me that he's happy to help me. 
to get the exact same thing that they were able to email to me back in October. So it makes no sense, right? So last week, she sent an email again to her contact at the sheriff's office and basically said, hey, like you had promised the file in its entirety to her. You didn't give her the file in its entirety. You only gave her the same thing that she already had. There's the rest, basically. Um, so last week, I'm at a store. And since we have security cameras all over our house, I get an alert that there is someone on my um, front porch and they're ringing the doorbell. So I take a look at the security camera and lo and behold, unannounced, completely, no phone call, no email, no nothing, unannounced, stands uh, the foil officer. officer. Yes, the very man that was yelling at me that he was so happy to help me, as well as another Erie County Sheriff officer. They both have, in in the video, their side, you know, side holster guns and, you know, whatever. They're very intimidating. I watch on the security camera as they both walk uh, around. no one answers the front door. Right, no one answers the front door because... They walk all the way around the house. They are tapping on windows. Like, I'm watching this unfold on camera. Tapping on windows, walking the perimeter of the house. (laughs) They're walking around, tapping on windows and walking the perimeter of the house, knowing what the concern is here. Right. So... I, I'm like losing it. Like, what is going on? The last time an Erie County Sheriff's Officer detective showed up at my house, he was clearly not there for good. Like, he was to there he wasn't looking on to behalf help. of the offenders, to be honest, right? If we're being really full, go back and listen to that episode. I don't even know what it is, but where we talk about that. Um, so I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm this... And they don't leave a card. They don't leave no business card, no note that says, hey, we were here, please call us. Nothing. They just leave. Um, so I end up calling, um, this person and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what happened. I sent her the video. I said, what, you know, what do you think? And she's, so she called me and said, um, so I sent an email and I'm wondering if that might be, but she doesn't know. They didn't tell her like, Hey, we're going to show up at her house. So she said, I'm wondering if that might be it. So fine. So the next day I called the FOIL office. Um, I kept getting voicemail. I couldn't get through to anyone. I called the chief of that unit, like to act, Chief uh, Donovan, I believe is his name, and said, left a message for him and said, hey, I think your FOIL officer was on my front porch yesterday, and I'm just curious as to why, because I don't, again, I didn't know any of this. It, nobody answers the phone. So Lori and I are basically like, <laughs> let's just go down there. Let's just go see what's what, right? Yep. So we show up at downtown at the FOIL office, and we ask the secretary. Yeah, I said for to the secretary, you know, hi, he, this is who I am. Um, this particular officer um, was on my front porch yesterday. Um, I know there's been some communication about potentially some additional records. Can I speak to him? And she literally looks at me and goes, "He came to your house." Uh, so he comes in and he's like, "Oh, oh my goodness, like Caitlin, you you didn't have to come all the way down here. That's why I came to your house." <laughs> I was like, no, no, that's that's fine. Um, yeah, no, I'm just wondering though, like, why were you at my house? And he said, well, you know, I'll be with you in a minute, whatever. So we take a seat, and um, he comes back. Now, keep in mind, we already know that an email had been sent days before this whole conversation goes down. Probably 24 hours. 24 hours, yeah, literally. So he comes back and says to me, Caitlin, <laughs> after I can't even say it with a straight face. After an extensive and thorough search, I was able to locate the rest of the file. I found it in the cold storage, and I was able to locate it. When I located it, I immediately called the sheriff 
and said, oh my gosh, I found the rest of the record. And he said to me, you need to accommodate this young woman. So I got in the car and I drove to your house. Let's recap, shall we, folks? <laughs> but the, wait, 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 wait. Let uh, me finish. So I can barely stand it. I know. I can't even. Like, I'm literally can't even believe we're saying this. So again, I'm standing there with my jaw, like, has this just hit the floor because, again, I know that that's actually a bold faced lie. Like, that's not even close to what happened. What happened, my guess, is that. This woman emailed that contact, then called him and said, what the heck? How come she didn't get the whole file? And now he had to go and find the rest of the file. He did not go looking in cold storage for and the file. And magically that day found it. That day, 24 hours after the email was received, he magically found it. And he was accommodating me by tapping on my windows and walking around the perimeter of the house. I said, great. Thank you so much. That's great. Also, I had to sign exactly zero things. No release. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely nothing. Last time I had to make an appointment and sign all these paperwork, nothing. They just hand me this file. So I say, you know, just for future reference, just so you understand, in light of the situation that's going on here, walking the perimeter of her house and tapping on her windows, really not helpful. And his response was... Again, in a very aggressive voice. I respectfully disagree. We were accommodating her. Exactly. That, that's the phrase. We what? were accommodating her. Oh, again. Do you feel very accommodated? No, I don't feel accommodated. Feel Do you? threatened and stalked? <laughs> totally threatened and stalked. 100%, yes. Okay, I want to make sure that we can just really quickly recap. There is someone at Kate's house knocking on windows, tapping on the door, bring, with a file in hand, but also gone on his hip, leaves no contact information, doesn't call ahead, This person is well aware of what the concerns are, right? Leaves without any information being left behind. And then the next day says, oh, I was just here to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, So that being said, that is the journey that it has taken. That did result in getting actually the detective's notes. Sure did. Which literally say that they found you to be credible. Sure did. Um, It also shows that I... uh, I disclosed things and I told them about things that are, and I described them in ways back in 2004 that I am still talking about today. So again, that continuity, that consistency, that doesn't happen if someone's lying. It just doesn't. I mean, I'm not the professional in the room right now, but like, I'm just saying I was literally in the detective's notes talking about being stalked by vehicles, being stalked at work, being, you know, threatened and harassed and all of that. I was talking about that back in 2004. Including the threats mm-hmm. that were said, like what would happen if you told. Exactly. Right. So again, we're talking almost 20 years later and it's the same thing, which is just insanity. So why is it so difficult to get help? Why is it so difficult to gather the corroboration for the world at large? Please understand it is that hard. Because the the system is not set up to help and support survivors to get help. It it just isn't. No, it definitely isn't. That's appalling. And, you know, one of the challenges between Kate and I is my inherent optimism. And I know she's totally (laughs) giving me the stink eye over there (laughs) as I even say that out loud. I am. My face hurts because my eyebrows are so high. Anyone who knows me knows that that is true, which is kind of surprising considering what I do listening to people all the time. But I am inherently optimistic. But I am here to tell you, I have been schooled on the reality of just how broken the system is. 
Yeah, it's really, it's really, it's really scary, honestly. And I think this is an episode coming soon. Is that the reality is the reason it's so hard is yes, the system is broken. It's not set up to support and to um, help survivors. But also our world at large, people do not want to live in a world in which justice does not always reign, in which these horrendous, horrific, sadistic, ritualistic abuse can go on and nothing gets done about it. People don't want to live in that world. And so the easy answer to them is, well, then it, it must not have happened because I can't live in that space. Um, so we are going to talk about that more as we've done a lot of research and and found some you know, really interesting dating back to the eighties information on that. But, um, yeah, the system is broken. So I feel like I always need for us to have the caveat of, we are certainly not suggesting that every person in law enforcement Mm -hmm. is not there to help. Absolutely. There are so many people who are sacrificially doing hard things to try to help and support victims. So yes to all of that. But it's also important for us to all remember that that is also not a universal. Well, and that those people, those individuals who are working to help and support victims are working within a very broken system. It's a systemic problem. It's not a it's not this particular officer is this way. I mean, yes, this particular officer is this way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I'm saying for the individuals that are not they're still working within a system that is not set up and designed to support survivors. So even with the best intentions at heart, their hands are tied behind their back. They're literally fighting this fight with their hands tied behind their back. So it's just so. And again, my plug for Mezzo, right? We're going to change that. We want to change that. So if you are a survivor or you are someone who is walking alongside a survivor and they are trying to do these hard things and to get through the middle space from victim to being a survivor and on the other side, please reach out to us. We have learned the hard way we bring to the table all the things that have gone wrong and now we know what to do right. Um, So reach out, let us know how we can help. And follow Mezzo on social media. Yeah, Mezzo Inc. M-E-Z-Z-O-I-N-C on social If you or someone you know is stuck in a trafficking situation and needs help, please reach out to the National Human Trafficking Hotline by calling 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733. Thank you.